Hello, it's Kat again, and welcome back to So Below, Healing Trauma with Respect to Our Duality. We've covered a number of topics in the last few episodes, but I think it's pretty safe to say that the central theme has been getting to know yourself through introspection. And I mean really getting to know yourself, cultivating the type of relationship with yourself that you're trying to cultivate with others, looking for the type of connection with your own soul that we seek so desperately from other people as social creatures, which is why I keep talking about the way we define the world around us. Because in order to truly get to know who we are, we have to establish a baseline, and that's a baseline free of external factors, free of external voices, a baseline that involves only your voice. And learning to decipher your own voice over the voices of other people in your head is really hard. As I said in a previous episode, we hear everybody else's voice in our head as if it's our own. It sounds like we're saying it to ourselves, like we truly believe it. So it's very hard for us to decide whose voice is saying what. And I got to be honest with you, this is one of the most difficult concepts for me. And it's starting to feel like a bit of a cosmic joke, or at the very least, an ironic, tragic comedy. And the reason I say that is because the first time I really understood this concept of other people's voices in my head, taking over my thoughts, I was just barely finalizing my divorce and I had just started dating my ex-boyfriend and him and I had taken a trip together to a little town outside of Vegas to this mint 400 off-road rally thing and while we were there um, it was late at night we had been drinking and we were at this casino and we were kind of walking around but I was in my head about something because you know my ex-husband had said something mean to me And obviously, you know, when you're going through a divorce, people say things that are hurtful and they, you know, that they don't necessarily, I mean, he probably meant it. But anyways, so I was really in my head about something and I was having a hard time focusing and having a good time and, and he could tell. And, and so his drunk ass sits me down and he looks me in the face and he says, why do you keep listening to his voice in your head? Why do you keep listening to the shit he is saying? If you need to hear someone else's voice, hear mine. Hear my family, hear your family's, hear somebody else's. And that concept to me finally clicked. Oh my God, that's his voice I'm hearing. I'm really not that awful person I'm feeling like right now. But in my head, I was. And I couldn't decipher the different voices. And that concept to me, it, it flipped a switch. And from that moment on, on the drive home from uh, Nevada, I had like a six-hour drive to just clear my head. And I was able to kind of go through and listen to the different things in my head and my different insecurities and ask myself, whose is this? And I was able to let a lot of things go from my past. And I was able to let a lot of negativity leave me. And, you know, like I said, he wasn't doing drugs in the beginning. And and this is one of the moments that made me fall for him in the first place. But it also made me fall for me for a while. And it was that saying right there, listen to my voice in your head and listen to somebody else's voice that, that stuck with me for a really long time, which is why it's so ironic that it's trying to find my own voice in that again especially considering he was the one that gave me that lesson, but here I am having to learn it again at a really, really hard level 
because I did listen to him and I listened to his voice really, really hard. But it was that pep talk that reframed that idea in my mind that other people's voices were weighing down on me. And if you think about it, the weight of other people's expectations really is a physical weight. So we've talked a lot about reframing definitions and thinking about things in a different way. So if you think about your negative thought as a pound and put a weight value on it, each negative thought that you have, you have to carry with you. If it belongs to you and you hold it, you hold that pound. But if it's somebody else's negative thought in your head, you're carrying that pound for no reason. So as you go through and you decipher other people's voices from your own, they'll drop away from you and it'll be like you're lightening your load. And it'll be insane how much of a difference it makes in the weight that you carry on a day-to-day basis. And once you start taking off other people's expectations, other people's negative thoughts, other people's verbal abuse that has been spewing at you throughout your life, when you remove those things from yourself, you start to lighten your load. And as somebody who has always struggled with my weight, who suddenly is no longer struggling with my weight and losing weight like crazy without really trying very much, a big part of that comes from the fact that I'm no longer wearing the weight of other people's expectations. I've stopped divvying out my fucks to people who haven't earned them. I keep them for myself. I've learned to listen to my voice and I've learned to decipher where my trauma responses are and where my energy feels comfortable. And I've learned to only seek out people who make my energy feel comfortable and anything that prickles my energy, I've learned to expel. Or at least I'm learning. I'm a work in progress. But I'm hoping that in sharing what I've learned, I can help other people. And that's what we need to do as trauma survivors is come together and share what we've learned. That is how I got that exercise that we did in our nurturative episode, where you write your name on a paper and you list out the things you don't like about yourself and all the negative thoughts that you're having. That way you can go through and start to identify the different thoughts and where they're coming from, especially after narcissistic abuse, when you've been gaslit constantly and constantly made to feel like you can't trust the way that you're thinking. This type of an exercise is actually really beneficial. That exercise I got from a friend who had learned it in therapy. So sharing what you've learned can help other people learn to get past their trauma. And so that's why it is important to talk about it. It does take away the power of what you've been through when you can talk to other people who've said, yeah, I've been there too. And this is what helped me get through it. And as soon as you realize you're not alone, it makes it a lot easier to go through things. You never know who's going to word something the way that makes sense to you and who's going to frame something in a way that actually clicks and makes it so that you can make the changes necessary. Using the analogy of weight, When you have more than one person, things get lighter. Many hands make light work. That's something my parents used to say to us all the time growing up. And there was a lot of us, so there was many, many hands. But they would say, many hands make light work. And it's true. The more people you have, the more experience you have around you, the easier things are. But that's only if it's people as dedicated to your healing journey and their own healing journey as you are. But as far as the expectations that you hold for yourself and your opinion of yourself, that's not a group project. That's something that is very individual and you need to find for yourself, which is easier said than done. But sometimes all it takes is hearing something in the right context for it to click. 
And sometimes you have to learn that lesson more than once because there was more to learn in the first place. So be kind to yourself when you have to repeat these patterns and learn from them again. Obviously, you don't want to keep repeating the pattern and you want to learn the lesson right the first time. But if you didn't and you had to learn it again, it's okay. You're human. Don't beat yourself up. For me, there's a tendency to feel stupid when I have to repeat myself or when I have to learn a mistake over again or when I find myself repeating patterns. I beat myself up and I become really hard on myself and I really internalize that. And maybe that's why it took such a drastic experience for this message to finally hit home for me in a way that's been lasting and sustaining and made it so that I haven't felt the need to fall back into the same patterns. And that was when I was crawling out of hell. I started talking about that in episode six, but I want to go deeper into it because I learned so much from my experience on the other side that I really feel like I came back a different person. And honestly, I probably did. The way time works over there is so much different. A few seconds here could feel like weeks or months on the other side. Time, it's, it's relative, it's elastic, it's so many things, time, but time isn't a specific concept. And while I was shuttling back and forth between this world and, and the next world, I feel like I aged and like I lived about five years in that time. Like I received about five years worth of experience in that three days. And my journey through hell was actually relatively early on in this experience. So there was a lot that I learned afterwards that I'm really excited to get into. Because once you get through this hard part, that's where the magic happens. When I first crossed over, I was guided by my aunt who passed away a few years ago and who I was very close to. And she greeted me warmly. And this was the first experience I had with, you know, with mind speak, with telepathic communication. And it was a very brief encounter. She basically let me know that I had something to do and that she was busy, that she was happy to see me, but she had shit to do and she took off. And I can guarantee she went to go take care of her children and watch her children because that's her life and that's who she was. But she just basically gave me the John Wayne introduction to the spirit world and threw me in the deep end. And I was standing on the edge of this cliff over this waterway. And I could see that this passageway went for miles and miles. And for some reason, I had just incredible vision like I had never had in my life. And I could see that there were many different lands. It was the most incredible and beautiful place or places I've ever seen in my life. And I was so overwhelmed with so many feelings. But honestly, the first thought in my head was, that motherfucker killed me. <laughs> and I, I thought about it, and I was like, wait, no, I'm not, I'm not dead yet, because I could still feel my body, which I was aware was not the normal. I could tell that I didn't belong where I was, because I could still feel my body someplace else. But since I still felt that tether to my body, my first thought after that was, I need to find my kids. I need to get back to my kids. So I went off on a desperate search for my great-grandpa, who, like I said you know, in, ep in the previous episode, how he had been to the other side and come back. So in my mind, I knew he knew how to come back. 
And so I took off. And that was when I experienced the feeling of moving by thought for the first time. And the closest I had ever experienced to that before was melting into color while rolling on mushrooms. And honestly, that actually helped prepare me for this experience a little bit. But I was searching for my grandfather and weeks passed by before I found him. And in that time, I got to fully experience the joys of paradise to the extent where I got used to the new abilities that I had. So when I finally found my grandfather, it was a very weird experience for me because he was no longer on the same dimension I was. He was no longer on the, in the in-between. He had moved on to the next level or to wherever he was going. I have no idea where he went. He didn't tell me. So as soon as I recognized him and began to approach him, I no longer could move by thought. And I had to actually physically move and, and think about moving again, which was weird and I felt so heavy. Um, but I walked over this rocky shoreline with sand and these jagged rocks everywhere. And it was a gray, stormy day, but it was like a metallic gray everywhere. And he hugged me and he said to me, look at us tiptoeing in places we don't belong. And I could hear the whistle when he said his S's. So I knew it was him, but it was weird to audibly hear him because I had been communicating telepathically exclusively up to this point. And that's why I feel like he had astral projected back to me because I had been calling him and actively seeking him. And then he lectured me and told me I was wasting time looking for him and that I was supposed to be experiencing something. And I knew that from the beginning and I should have known that the whole time and that I knew I was getting back. So I should have just been experiencing what I was supposed to be experiencing and that I had been wasting time looking for him. And then he sent me off and basically he sent me off into hell. So again, I got the John Wayne approach but I'd honestly expect nothing less from my family. Entering hell was like entering the Lotus Hotel and Casino in the Percy Jackson books or movies, um, where they enter and they think they're only there for a little while, but they come out and days have passed when it has just been a short period of time. But they're having a great time and everybody's having a blast and you get sucked in and pulled in. And before you know it, you're deep in there and you're in this whole world. And, you know, like I said, I was in there for a really long time. And then I finally was done experiencing this and I started looking for a way out. And by experiencing this, I mean the punishment I basically felt like I deserved. And I talked about hell being a creation of our own mind and a creation of our own feelings. And so the experience of hell would be unique for every single person. And I said before, I have a sick mind, so I don't really need to go into anything in this part uh, for this particular episode. But if you listen to the other episode, I talked about climbing the cliffs out of hell and being attacked by harpies. And that's the part I really wanted to talk about because this is the ironic part of the story. Um, but after... The devil basically opened the door to let me out. I walked out into this canyon and it was very dark and I could see the clouds up above me and there was jagged rocks on either side of these really steep walls and it was a narrow passageway. And it was the first time I had seen the sky in what felt like months because hell was all underground for me. 
I hadn't seen sky. I hadn't seen nature. It was all deep and buried. And this was the first time I was seeing sky. And even though it was cloudy and thunderous and there was just this gray metallic sheen around the clouds that crackled with purple electricity and blue and just the colors were incredible. There was colors that we've, I've never seen here. And my grandpa told me that when I was younger. And I remember him saying that there were colors that they'd never experienced yet. And then they came out with neon. But like now I feel like the guy in the infomercials. But wait, there's more. Because as many colors as I experienced any time in my life here on this planet, I experienced so many more there. And I just remember feeling this extreme need to go up. I wanted to get closer to the clouds and I wanted to fly. And I was missing the feeling of being able to fly and being able to move by thought and feeling weightless. And I started looking for a place on the cliff where I could get some footholds and where I could climb out. And I'm walking through this canyon and I find a place that looks like I would be able to get out of it easy enough. Um, and I start climbing. And while I'm climbing, I realize I'm barefoot and I'm not dressed. And there is just jagged rocks coming out of the walls. And everywhere I step, I'm getting cut and torn. And it was painful. But I had to get out. I had to get to the top. So I pushed through. And as I started getting closer to the top, I started feeling some hope when all of a sudden this thing swooped down on me and she had this sharp and vicious face. It wasn't ugly, it was just sharp. And it was almost like her mouth was beaked and her mouth and nose were beaked, but not beaked. Like it wasn't a beak, but it was her face, but it kind of looked like a beak. You know, like if someone's got a huge schnoz, but like add their mouth to that. And so it was a weird shape, but like I said, she wasn't ugly. And she had these wings coming out of her back and they were black feathered wings, almost like raven wings. And they were shiny and brilliant and powerful looking. And before I could even register what she was, she reached out and grabbed me and pulled me down. And I slipped a few feet down the rocks and I remember feeling my skin tear on my right hip. And the minute her skin touched mine, my brain was flooded with all of these negative thoughts. Every awful thing I've ever thought about myself, every awful thing I've ever heard about myself, every tiny thing I've ever spent time beating myself up over immediately started flooding my mind. And while I tried to stand up, another one swooped down and grabbed me by my hair and pulled me back. And again, more negativity came flooding into my mind. And then they were swooping down on me all around me. I was surrounded by them. And I was fighting to get back up and I was trying so hard, but I was being weighed down by the weight of everything that I had felt. And in my head, I was like, I was just able to fly not long ago. Why can't I get out of this? What is wrong with me? And finally, one of the thoughts that crossed over my mind just so happened to be something that my ex-boyfriend had said to me in the throes of an argument that was horrible and it hurt my feelings, 
But I had worked past it and gotten over it. So when I heard it, all of a sudden I was like, wait, hold on a second. That's not even my issue. That was completely his issue. It had nothing to do with me. So why is, is that in my head? And it was hearing something else that I'd already gotten past, something I'd moved on from that woke me up to the fact that, wait a second, whose voice is that? And I, I looked at the harpy or whatever it was that, that was the source of that voice. And I looked her straight in the face. And I said, that's his problem, not mine. Get the fuck out of here. And she disappeared. And suddenly I was able to start to decipher the different voices in my head. And these creatures around me began to dissolve and disappear. And suddenly I was weightless again. And I was floating and I was lifted out from the abyss. And I was no longer covered in scrapes and bruises and feeling naked and alone. And I was free for the first time in so long. Because for the first time in longer than I can ever remember, and honestly, probably the first time in my entire life, I was not wearing the weight of anybody's expectations on myself. And that freedom gave me the ability to lift myself from the situation, to look down from above and know that I conquered it. I did. Me, this person who I never felt like I was very special. I conquered it. I got out. And that's the ironic part, is it was his voice again that triggered that memory that he'd given me in the first place. Why are you hearing his voice in your head, right? And so when I heard his voice, that was what triggered that memory. And I was able to identify the source of the problem. It wasn't me. It was his voice. And it took silencing that for me to find freedom. So in addition to the exercise I gave you on the nurturative days, I want to give you another exercise. And if you can give it 10 minutes a day for two weeks, and just dedicate and give yourself 10 minutes a day for two weeks, even if you do nothing else. I promise you're going to see a difference. But I want you to find a place you can be alone. You need to be able to sit in a comfortable, safe, and quiet space. Outside would be great, but it's not necessary. Sit with your eyes closed and breathe slowly in and out. And picture a blue sky full of fluffy white clouds. This is your soul. In this moment, nothing else exists. Your friends and family, your relationships, their opinions and needs and everything that they expect of you. Fuck it. They don't exist anymore. All of your responsibilities, everything that comes with being a part of a family, being a part of a community, having a job, paying your debt, taking care of business, to, you know, your fucking credit score. It doesn't matter. It's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. The war against good and evil, morality, religion, it's gone. It's no longer there. In this moment, you are completely free. Now, in this empty space you've created, I want you to ask yourself two questions. The first one is, who am I? And I want this question to be asked with kindness and answered with kindness. Remember, you're a survivor. You're the alchemy that's the essence of all creation. And words are powerful, and the words you speak become the weight you carry. 
so choose them wisely. And before you ask the second question, take a moment to marvel at that beautiful sky and ask yourself, why do I feel like it's okay to disrespect myself by accepting any behavior that doesn't build me up or accepting words that tear me down? You don't owe anyone space in your head, but you do owe yourself a safe space. So proceed with kindness.